for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Instead of a shovel and pick to dig deeper, Darren Denslow has his iMac G3 and rusty magnifying glass so he can dig deeper for the real story. This is Digging Deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. Yes, you're here with me, D.D. Denzel, on a Sunday episode of Digging Deeper. Uh, you was just listening to me uh, have a discussion with Rohan about war, about immigration, about the potential for civil war, both here in Europe and across the pond in the USA. Uh, and we've had during the break uh, the, the talk about the latest on the ICJ ruling uh, on genocide in the Middle East. Uh, not much of a choice that the Gaza have been given apartheid uh, genocide or ethnic cleansing take your pick i'm sure they're jumping up and down at the, the choices uh, that they are being offered i'll tell you what they're not being offered two-state solution that's being ruled out by everybody including the political class here in the uk okay so coming up in just a few moments uh, he's in the room uh david scott will be joining me david is a scottish engineer entrepreneur and a journalist at northern exposure uh, he's got a substack in which he says he's trying to understand uh, the present times aren't we all trying to understand what's going on in this crazy world of ours but guess what his substack was called because when he sent me an email and i looked at it i thought oh my gosh what's the chances of that happening Happening. Uh, and your substack, uh, David, and I'll bring you in to come into the show right now, is called Digging Deeper. My show is called Digging Deeper. So we've got some common ground there. What made you decide on that name for your substack? Uh, and what sort of topics do you discuss? Well, I started off. Uh, so, Dan, thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to okay. be with you. Uh, I, I started off uh, the first of several projects I was looking at was one called notes from the edge now this is a this is a video series with with me essentially doing monologues and looking at issues and trying to unpick the the kind of deep underpinning of ideas that 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 defines how i see the world and defines how other people see the world and um and to and to discuss these uh, at, at some depth and to discuss the real core ideas that, that drive people to see um the, the news events and the cultural events the way they do. So I chose Notes from the Edge, uh, partly because I'm sitting on the edge of a moor and um, there's, there's geographical uh, issues, but also because the world is on the edge of a bit of a precipice. We've got uh, economic systems that are on the brink of collapse. We've got geopolitical systems that are certainly unstable, if not on the brink, we're not that far away. And there is this the general feel that uh, we're in a time where what we've grown to understand as normal cannot continue uh, for a whole host of reasons. So hence notes on the edge. So as I was looking at this title that I'd picked and starting to, to you know, explain why this seemed to fit with what I wanted to do, I did look up um, the meaning of or the, the origin of the word edge. And it comes from a, an old English and old German word, meaning that the, the sharp edge of a of a spade. Um, so hence, digging deeper. That's that's where uh, the Substack name came from. 
Where did, where, did, where did you get yours from? Uh, my boss said, uh, Darren, you've got a show. We need a name. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so I, I, I sent a message to uh, my friend, uh, Nikki, a.k.a. Fox, in the live chat. Uh, and she said, how about digging deeper with Darren Denslow? And I sent that off as one of the possibilities uh, to Mike. So big shout out to Mike Ryan. I saw him in the live chat earlier as well. Uh, and he said, yeah, go with the digging, den- the digging deeper with D.D. Denslow. My nickname from my dockyard days uh, was Double Diamond or Double D or DD, just my initials. So we've got a whole load of Ds uh, going on here at the moment, David. Uh, and uh, I'm very pleased that uh, I'm very pleased. I'll take it as a, a, a badge of honor that your Substack is named named after my show. Yeah, not the other way around, mate. <laughs> um, one of the things that you have discussed on your Substack. Uh, one of the topics that you came to me with um, was oppressive family law. Very interesting topic. Nobody's ever even breached anything near that uh, as a topic of discussion with me. Uh, why did you want to? Why did you want to talk about that? Uh, and, and take that wherever you want, David. Well, there's a huge attack on the family, right? There's a there's an attempt to change society. There's a attempt. To- attempt to model model and mold society into someone else's vision, not ours. And it's been done largely secret. It's been done without it being openly discussed. Now, uh, part of this comes from the whole cultural Marxist world. Uh, you know, the Communist Manifesto had an uh, attack on the family as an absolute underpinning. And uh, Antonio Gramsci, when he sort of invented uh, cultural Marxism, when the first wave of Marxism had manifestly failed uh, on, in economic terms, he said, well, the reason it's not worked is there are cultural barriers, and we have to break down these cultural barriers. And the cultural barriers are uh, the church, the family, the relationship between people and the employers, the relationship between people and the governments, um, you know, the, these sort of things. So the family was very much in the crosshairs. Now, I... Uh, in Scotland, there's been a, a, a recent major push by a very woke uh, left-wing uh, uh, social justice warrior type government, the SNP, now, now assisted by the very extreme Green Party. Now, what they did back in oh, 2012, 13, this would start, they came up with a thing called Name Person. And what Name Person was was a scheme to put a government overseer as a kind of third parent into every family. So every child would have a designated designated uh, named person, uh, designated named person, and they would be um, they would be appointed by the state to make sure everything was okay. And they were the legislation was that they would be given huge powers to gather information, to conduct investigations, and to act. And they were told to act on gut feel. They were told to act before any harm had come to the child. Just they felt something wasn't wasn't right, and they were clearly sitting above the parents. And they even put out they even put out literature with, you know, this this mysterious shadowy third parent. Uh, they told the um, children's parliament uh, that. All children were like tender flowers, and all the all the adults in their lives were were like gardeners. There was no special uh, place for parents, you understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the named person that was the head gardener. So this was a, a huge attack on everything to do with the family. I mean, 
privacy would go. Uh, they were briefing taxi drivers to spy on the kids if they were driving them to school and then report back what they heard. It was deeply sinister. It was Orwellian. It was uh, it, it was Stasi-like in the way that everybody who had anything to do with the state was being co-opted and enlisted to spy on parents, to spy on families, and to um, and to feed all the information back to to the government, the world's worst parent. Uh, so this this generated uh, grassroots. It, this went incidentally went through. Uh, the courts gave this in Scotland gave us um, the, the good housekeeping seal of approval. It passed through Parliament very easily with very little opposition. Uh, it was a grassroots campaign led by the Christian Institute, but joined by people all across the spectrum, people of all faiths and none, um, people of all political persuasions, but who could see that this was evil, came together to oppose it. So named person was a, a, a real crossing of the Rubicon moment in Scotland where the people started to push back against the totalitarian government. And they won. It went down to the UK Supreme Court. The legislation was overthrown. It was deemed unlawful. They had the Scottish government uh, in in uh, a, a creepy Orwellian manner announced victory uh, after they after they'd lost in the Supreme Court. They then had to pay all the two hundred fifty thousand pound expenses of the people who took to court. I mean that's how badly they lost. They then spent a couple of years trying to fix the legislation, and when they realised they couldn't. It was quietly dropped, and it's it's now there's now there's still a named person, but it's a policy thing. They don't have any special powers, and it's kind of died. Um, and they they finally repealed um, the, the the draft legislation uh, just only a few weeks ago. So this was a a major strike back in Scotland in favour of liberty, in favour of families. But the, the attacks on the family are huge, and they're everywhere. They're through the education system, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're through sex ed, they're through death ed, they're through all sorts of things which are playing with children's minds. And the it, it's falling on people of Scotland, the families, the parents, the grandparents, to push back. Um, so the, the article that you are referring to is called Coming Up the Clyde and Banana Boat. This is me starting to dig... Yeah. Back in history, uh, at the at the his, at the at the background of what the state actually did with families, back in the days before we knew about woke, back in the days before we knew about cultural Marxism, when we thought it was the good old days, was it? This is what I'm. This is what I'm diving into. It's been an ongoing process. Now, you've mentioned cultural Marxism um, a couple of times in what you've just said. Can you sort of like uh, just like furnish what exactly uh, you mean by that for the audience? What do you mean by cultural Marxism? And why is the SNP so woke? Why? What? What happened uh, within that party for them to really, really go down this far left route and therefore uh, allow the, the the laws against the families uh, to be to be at least approached uh, in Scottish government and in Scottish legislation? What do you mean by cultural Marxism? We'll start there. Yeah, it, it's it's actually quite difficult to pin down because it depends how how deeply you go. 
right? This is, in, in one level, it's an attempt to destroy the institutions of the West that were blamed for the failure of Marxist ideology to take over. Um, but it's, it's, it goes much deeper than that. It's a religion. It's a religion that views Christianity as its great opposition, and Christianity is the religion that must be replaced. It's Gnostic. It's based on the idea that we are all gods. It's the very lie the serpent told in the Garden of Eden, and that uh, if only um, falsehood would be removed, the, 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 the underlying godlike qualities of humanity would will, will come to the fore, and and utopia will arise. It's all of these things and more. Um, why Scotland? Well, first thing, not many people know this, but Alex Salmond is a Maoist. Right? Alex Salmond's right. intellectual master is Mao Zedong. Uh, um, that's a, that's know. one part of it. The SNP historically were fighting against the Labour Party, and the Labour Party were extremely well embedded in Scotland and had an apparently insurmountable uh, level of support. Now, this was relatively recent. It was only in the 1960s that the majority vote in Scotland went to the Conservatives. But things had changed. Uh, the Protestant working class vote had been lost by the by the Tories, and Labour were uh, winning everything, particularly in a first-past-the-post system. So the left-wing firebrands in the SNP decided that they were not going to be flanked on the left by the Labour Party, and they made a conscious decision, led by uh, Alex Salmon, the Maoist, um, to uh, move to the left and make sure that they, they would always be to the left of the Labour Party. So they embraced all of this. Every Maoist idea, and it is very Maoist, if you look at the way they, um, they attack people who have different ideas, and you compare that to the Maoist regime and what they would call a struggle session, where they would take people into, in, in Mao's term, jail, and in our terms, maybe Twitter jail, and mm. Uh, essentially beat and berate them until they acknowledged their error and 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 begged for forgiveness and saw the error of their ways and had a pseudo-religious conversion to the, the path of truth and light and wokeness. And this is what we're fighting. We're fighting for the ability to have reason. We're fighting for the ability to have rationality. We're fighting for the ability to express ourselves without it being actually criminalised. And mm -hmm. another major problem in Scotland is the hate crime laws, which are horrendous, brought in by Hamza Youssef, and um, oh, and expressly went after the, the conversation you would have around your family dinner table. Again, the family's under it. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, because you, you're right. It's not something that you can just pin down. You hear it a lot. Oh, you know, it's a, they're, they're cultural Marxists. But what exactly that means uh, is not always necessarily easy to understand. We can The racism narratives we hear are also part of this sort of cultural Marxist attack uh, on the public. Very quickly before we go to a break, David, um, how of the general Scottish public, in your opinion or in your experience, how are they pushing back? Are they resisting the Scottish National Party uh, and its endeavours? Or uh, are, are a lot of them aligning and going with the woke flow? Oh, uh, the, the Scottish public have been very compliant by and large. Um, there was a lot of compliance over COVID. There was 
quite a lot of compliance over woke. But just it's just one of these things. How do people? There's a Scottish philosopher, uh, Charles Mackay, said people go mad in herds and regain their sanity slowly and one at a time. Well, that's what's happening, and we are winning people back to this side of reason um, slowly and one at a time. Uh, so we're making some headway, quite a lot of headway, but it's it's slow. It's slow. Uh, I think we can say that, uh, that the public are, are gradually waking up to the bloody obvious, if you ask me, very slowly. And I think it is actually a race against time. People waking up and the ever-encroaching agenda. Uh, and one of those agendas was COVID. So we're going to go to a break now, uh, David. But when we come back, uh, I want to ask you some questions and discuss what the latest is in the Scottish COVID inquiry. So please stay right with us here on TNT Radio. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid. And we would say that this is probably in terms of conflicts, uh, this many journalists have been lost, uh, killed, injured in the whole of the Second World War. And that lasted uh, a number of years. And only in the last three months are we scraping 100 on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list, which is coming Fast and Furious out of Gaza. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. To everybody in the live chat, to Heather, hidden in plain sight, uh, Elaine, lots of love for Elaine and for Skippy. And they're all coming up with various permutations of the letter D. And I've got oh, Diploma Dippy and Dirty Diving. And somebody, it's always Skippy, has said Double Diamond. Was that a lager? And actually, that is right. Uh, I was named Double Diamond after uh, a lager that I've never drunk. I've never had a bottle of Double Diamond to my knowledge uh, and it was supposed to be like a special drink at the time in the older days one of the first sort of fake lagers that went out with her so i got i got named after that anyway big shout out to everyone in the live chat keep your comments comments coming in uh, i am trying to keep an eye on it uh david covid uh, the story that keeps on giving and seemingly never wants to go away i'm fed up of talking about covid i i, I think probably every single day since 2020 uh, fact since the end of 2019 i've either typed out or said the word covid at least once and it does actually drive me a bit bananas i wish i could there was something else of interest that i could focus on uh, we've got the uk covid inquiry they're in scotland it's like the grand tour of the british isles uh, what's the latest on the covid inquiry any revelations have we learned anything new or is it just a, a continuation of a cover-up that's been going on for a couple of years 
Well, there's been there's been some positive signs coming out of the COVID inquiry in Scotland. Actually, occasionally more so than the one in England, because some of the people who have suffered, some of the people who have been harmed or who have lost loved ones, have actually had a chance to speak, and that's been quite powerful. Now, the, the I wouldn't want to suggest anyone's asking the right questions, uh, really, or that uh, these people who will be uh, listen to the way they ought to be. But nonetheless, there's a little bit of a little bit of truth coming out about such things as what happened to elderly people in care homes um, when they were put on drug cocktails and uh, slept away when they could and should have been alive. Um, that, for example. Now, very recently, the UK inquiry has come to Scotland, and it's been it's it's been rather dreadful for. <laughs> Well, certainly for the SNP and for the idea of good governance as well. So we've got the, 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 the deleting of WhatsApp messages. So Nicola Sturgeon looked at Scottish people in the eye at a press conference and said, I will hand over all of my WhatsApp messages to the COVID inquiry. Absolutely, you can trust me, I'm a politician. And what she wasn't saying is, apart from the ones I've deleted, which are all of them, um, but fortunately, um, other people hadn't deleted the messages, so they were handed over by other people who had been involved in the conversations, mm. and it's pretty awful. So firstly, you've got Nicola swearing her little head off. Um, that's bad enough. Uh, we had um, one of the top people in the Scottish Civil Service, um, uh, Mr Ken Thompson. Now, he's uh, di- he was Director General. Uh, which is the second level. So you've got, in Scottish Civil Service, you've got a permanent secretary, and there's one person in that post, and then there's eight directors general, and they run the Scottish government. So he's one of the top eight that, 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 that sit in heaven and all the strings. And um, he was encouraging the deletion of WhatsApp messages along with Jason Bleach, the equivalent of uh, Chris Whitty. Um, and he actually said that his middle names, he's put this in a WhatsApp message, telling people to delete everything. He said his middle names were plausible and deniability. So this is the this is the mindset of one of the top nine people that run the Scottish government. My middle names are plausible and deniability. And I thought that was quite telling. Um He's no longer in post. He was replaced in September 23. I don't know if that's cause and effect. Um, and then you've got other little bits that came out that give an indication of the sort of quality or lack thereof that we've got in government. Um, so Hamza Yusuf, um, he said he was winging it. Uh, he said, I don't want to quote, quote, quote him here. Um, Hamza, yes, and everyone is, of course, a public health expert. Jason Leach, um, who was the health expert and a dentist, by the way, um, replied, <laughs> uh, you actually are. Three weeks training, exclamation mark. Humza replied, I'm winging it, to excla- an exclamation mark. I will be found out sooner rather than later. Jason Leach, right, who is the chief advisor, me too. Right, so... No one seems Doesn't inspire confidence, does it? <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? So they're they're busy in their private communications saying how little they know. Okay. They stand up in front of the 
the, the country and say, we know everything. And you must comply with this crazy things we're now telling you to do because otherwise you're going to kill people. We know this. We have got the data, follow the signs, right? So they knew when they said all of these things, it was nonsense. And this is just being exposed by the informal communication. Um, you know, plus you've got, I mean, Nicholas calling people names the whole time and she comes across as quite a small minded person, but that's not a huge surprise. Um, I suppose another thing was Jason, Professor Jason Leach's um, uh, advice on the lockdown rules, compliance, right? So he was giving Humza use of advice. He was going to a party. He said, well, don't wear a mask. Just have a drink in your hand the whole time, right? So there was this, how to get around the rules. They were obviously viewing the rules not as a genuine public health requirement. None of them were. This was the this was the the actual problem with Boris and Drinkies at number ten. It wasn't the hypocrisy. Everyone said, "Oh, it's a hypocrite saying one thing, doing another." That wasn't the issue. The issue was he knew there was no risk. He knew he wasn't in any danger. He wasn't telling the truth to the entire nation. He was lying to the entire nation. And one final thing, I'll leave you with: um, Nicola Sturgeon operated. Uh, government within a government during COVID. So I'll give a quote here from, uh, I think this is a, maybe, maybe BBC article talking about it. Quote, they're, they're quoting um, Hamza Yusuf. There was times when the former First Minister did a tighter cast list and wanted to make a decision on a very specific issue. Uh, he said decisions were taken at the... Um, at what were termed the gold command meetings. Now, these gold command meetings involved Nicola Sturgeon, a small group of advisors, and a revolving group of ministers. So no, there was no continuity of the other ministers. So they didn't know what was going on from one meeting to the next. So it was Nicola Sturgeon and a small group of advisors that was essentially calling the shots. And this was called the gold group. right? Um, and he said... Uh, Decisions were taken at the gold command meetings, which, unlike cabinet meetings, were not minuted. He said, he said this is rare. So this is a major problem with the Scottish government that's, that we've had, we've known about for years now, been pushing back on for years. They don't minute anything. There's no records. They operate in WhatsApp messages and post-it notes so that you can't FOI to find out what they've been up to. Everything's done in secrecy because... It's evil, and evil hates the light. Mm -hmm. the, the, with the, the, the WhatsApp messages, surely uh, the WhatsApp mes messages would be official communications by elected representatives, and therefore uh, it would be a crime uh, in accordance with I don't know, uh, uh, financial standards or communication standards in the public sector surely that that could be prosecutable if we wanted to we could say uh, and we've had exactly the same whatsapp store whatsapp messages story here in the uk with boris and matt hancock and sunak all deleting or losing their phones or deleting messages you see the same uh same story coming out of scotland surely there should be some uh ability for us the public 
to prosecute them. So you've, you've, you've not acted uh, in accordance with your own rules in public office. You're deleting official communications. Surely that should be considered a crime, David. Well, it does seem to it does seem to um, contravene uh, the, the the laws on information uh, retention and gathering and openness as defined by the Freedom of Information Act. Mm -hmm. uh, they had defined things as they try and move things around and try and create enough smoke that they can conceal movement. So the the government line is well, we don't have to. Uh, record all the communication. We just have to record any decisions that are made. Right now, even that's patently false because you want to understand how and why decisions mm -hmm. were made, not just mm -hmm. what was made. Right. So they're trying to they're trying to sterilise the file. They're trying to fill up the file so that no one can actually be held to account. It is a it is a an, an attempt to escape accountability. Mm -hmm. um, an obvious one. I mean, an Obvious yeah. attempt to escape yeah. 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 I mentioned name person before. Uh, name person was brought in. Um, they got all of the professionals on board because you can buy professionals. Cash. Cash is king. Uh, mm -hmm. They got all of the charities or most of the main charities on board because you can buy charities because most of them take government coin in vast amounts and operate basically as unofficial government agencies. So you can buy charities and they bought them as well. And there's actually, and we did actually get this in the minutes. They, they sat down and said, we're going to get this entire policy rolled out, fully embedded professional practice and operational. And then we're going to tell the Scottish people. And, and finally, on the on the COVID inquiry, um, how have the mainstream media in Scotland, the Scottish rags, Scottish uh, news channels, been reporting on any of the outcomes that or any of the information that's being discussed in the Scottish COVID inquiry. Here in the UK, all they're talking about is Sturgeon calling other politicians bad names. Politicians like Johnson, Hancock and Sunak, who deserve vile from the public at least. How's that, how is it being reported in Scotland? Are they just focusing on the name calling or are they discussing any of the, the important information that's coming out of this inquiry? It's a little better, uh, and there is some there is some significant points being discussed, but there's a lot being missed. There's not really the focus. There's nobody in the mainstream press actually grappling with the core idea, right? And the core idea is there was never any justification for what mm -hmm. they did, mm -hmm. never. Okay, and because there was never any justification for what they did and it was all illegal, there should be accountability. Um, that that core point's been missed. Right? We're still talking about um there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke being put up about oh you know we were we 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 were yes we were making things up as we go as we went along but this was because it was unprecedented. Right? Now that's half true and all good lies are half true. Yes uh -huh. they were making things up as they went along. That meant there was no statutory basis for it. There was no legislative basis for it. There was no constitutional basis for it. There was no historical basis for it. There was no basis for it at all. Now, the bit they lie is it's, it was an unprecedented uh, problem. Well, that's not true. It, it never was. Mm -hmm. And the, the, that, that core 
issue, I, I still think, has been missed by the mainstream media. Um, and I think we, all of us in what you might call the alternative media, need, need to keep on this. I right? mm-hmm. need to keep pushing this point that um, we, we saw today, for example, I saw this in the last week, uh, the truckers having won a court case in Canada, which I think is enormous because that's saying that the, the action that was taken against them and they were protesting against the COVID lockdown, the actions were unlawful. They were unconstitutional. They were illegal. They were unlawful. They could not and should not have been done. Now, that's a huge win. Presumably, every trucker whose business was was interrupted, whose bank account was seized, who had uh, any type <clears throat> any time behind bars, <clears throat> excuse me, will now be entitled to full financial compensation. Right, so that can go through the courts um, over the coming uh, months and years if the courts are able to deliver. Yeah, to be seen. Uh, but this is this is a huge area for people individually and in groups to fight back against what's been done to them. COVID was a huge attack on all of our liberties. Just because it stopped doesn't mean we stop resisting it. We have to keep pushing mm-hmm. back at what was done and hold them to account. And that's what I tell myself every time I'm on Twitter and I start banging out those words, C-O-V-I-D, which still isn't in the dictionary. It comes up on the spell check, which I always find quite amusing. You think they would at least add COVID to the dictionary, seeing as everyone says it about 20 times a day still after four years. Um, Keeping on the medical theme, another um, story that you had on your Digging Deeper substack was with regards to uh, the NHS and eugenics. Uh, And in that, you talked about uh, Julian Huxley, brother of Aldous Huxley, who gets a mention from time to time on my show, because we do live in a brave new world. And Aldous Huxley wrote his book based on the fact that he was in that inner circle and he was a eugenicist. Um, What what, um, uh, sort of eugenics practices are the NHS employing, if any, David? Maybe vaccine programs <laughs> for COVID. Well, the, as I say, I've been diving into the history of this. Uh, the first article we mentioned, which was uh, coming up with Clyde and Banana Boat, was about the Clyde inquiry into homelessness, homelessness in Scotland. And what that put on the books was a law whereby local authorities in Scotland, um, by majority vote of the Children's Committee, could take anyone's child. And it was up to the parent to then object and take the matter to court. And that that law was in the books for nearly 50 years. It didn't actually get fully repealed until 1995. So the point I'm making in that is that you've got this mindset of statism, of the government knows best, of we decide for you, the little people. The little people don't matter. You're problematic you're probably dirty, you're probably quite violent, you believe the wrong things, you know, the state knows best. So as I've been as I've been digging into this, I came across something that genuinely shocked me. I don't think much shocks me now, but this one did, uh, partly because of the date. So this is from um, Colonel R.S. Weir, Lanarkshire, County Councillor and President of the Scottish Association of Executive Councils of the National Health Service. 
and he's addressing that association's annual meeting. So this is the high functionaries, the high management of the NHS in Scotland, 29th September 1960. So we're only 15 years after we liberated Belson. Okay? Mm-hmm. And this is what he said. Much has been said of the deterioration of our bloodstock by the preservation of the unfit and undesirables. Their elimination would be a blessing, but education is far to go before people will consent to this. That I found that genuinely shocking. He talked about it being 30 or 40 years of to change public opinion. Um, and he, he said that obviously the most vigorous opposition would come from some sections of the church. You always find the target Christianity, that little bit of it that remains true to what Christ said, for particular attention, because that's the bit when all things, in the final analysis, where, where people will find something to which they can rally. Um, he said, um, well, let's put aside the question of cost, although it's not trifling. Think about the misery, the ever-present burden in the home blighted by the child moron or the senile defective. That's your mother or your father that he's talking about there. You, you notice the callousness of the language. Mm-hmm. Cold. Uh, as I told him, there comes a time in life when memory is gone, friends are gone, and the will to live is gone. The doctor helps speed the soul to eternity. To my mind, does no harm. I see people in mental hospitals, no people's homes, uh, and there's a stage in their life where they'd be happier dead than alive. Yes, he's saying that, not them. So this is this is open ad- advocacy for eugenics, a euthanasia and eugenics. Um, and so I then go into, so, well, okay, that's a surprise to me in the 1960s. So I started to look for what else was happening. Well, it transpires that Julian Huxley, uh, founder of UNESCO, um, was saying exactly the same things in 1960. Mm-hmm. And... This it never went away. I thought, you know, I've read the book The War Against the Week, which is an excellent book about particularly the United States, but also Germany in the 20s and 30s and of the sterilization and attacks on um, uh, what the poor, what the weak, anyone, anyone who wasn't in the upper echelons. Um, and then I, I started to look at um, the the, the fight back that happened in Britain against this. Now, one of the, the, the leading guys there was uh, uh, G.K. Chesterton, who's, who wrote a whole book on it. And it's online. It's, on, it's online both as an audio book and as a PDF. Uh, and it's called Eugenics and Other Evils. It's published in 1922, so it's 100 years old. It reads like it was written yesterday. And it's wonderful. So I'll just quote you a quick piece from Chesterton. He said, most eugenicists are euphemists. I mean merely that short words startle them, while long long words soothe them. And they are utterly incapable of translating one into the other. However, obviously, they mean the same thing. Say to them, the persuasive and even coercive powers of the citizen should enable him to make sure that the burden of longevity in the previous generation does not become disproportionate and intolerable, especially to the females. Say this to them, and they will sway slightly to and fro like babies sent to sleep in cradles. Say to them, murder your mother, and they sit up quite suddenly, yet the two sentences in code logic are exactly the same. So he pushed back at this really hard, and in the article, I then look at what's actually happened now, and there's quite a lot of okay, possibly, and, and, and successors. I'm just going to jump in there, David. Sorry, I need to go and take a break. 
Um, when we come back, we're going to pick up right where you left off. Uh, please stay with us uh, here on TNT. We're talking about Our eugenics. Our beautiful right back world up. is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. Right, I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you ears, eyes, would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands, roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs, trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up. We're digging deeper with Dee Dee Denslow on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. Yeah, you're here on a, a double session uh, of Digging Deeper. I'm talking to David Scott. We was just talking about eugenics in the NHS, the Scottish COVID inquiry. We, some may say that those two uh, different elements of our world are actually linked. And I've got a couple of interesting comments uh, in here from uh, the very informed TNT listeners. Uh, you mentioned Julian Huxley and that he was the founder of UNESCO, uh, UNESCO being, uh, come on, mouse not working, oh, it's not working, uh, UNESCO being a United Nations uh, education uh, and health front, uh, and Jane Black says that it used to be called the New World Order. Is that true? Um, it, it rings a vague bell. I couldn't guarantee, but um, there, there was something about that phrase that, see, that memory suggests was attached to UNESCO in the early days. I can't remember just what the mechanics of it were. So um, the, the eugenics in the NHS, do you, do you think, you know, we've gone 30, 40 years on from the statements that were made in 1960s by Huxley and others, we needed to educate the population so that we can convince them that the undesirables can, should be removed from the gene pool. Do you think we've been through that educational experience uh, and that we're now in the realms of we are looking to get rid of the undesirables. Maybe that's what COVID was for. Maybe what the, uh, the vaccine program is for. Maybe that's what the wars are for. Um, do you think we're in that phase? Well, the, the, the issue I look at, I mean, I cover a fair bit of things like physiological care pathway and medical assisted dying in Canada. Um, but the, the thing I focus on is Down syndrome because Downs people are being eliminated and they're being eliminated in the womb. Mm -hmm. um, 
and Dominic Lawson, who wrote the Sunday Times about this, because he has a Down syndrome daughter, um, wrote very powerfully on this. And he, he described uh, the experience of Emma Mella, uh, who said, quote, uh, we must have been offered about 15 terminations. At 38 weeks, they made it really, really, really clear that if I changed my mind on the morning of the induction to let them know, because it wasn't too late until the baby started travelling down the birth canal, I could still terminate. So this is the type of pressure that's been applied to women to kill the Down syndrome children. Um, and of course, it's all based on a lie. It's all based on the lie that we're, that we're being kind. We're, we're, we're eliminating suffering you know, by killing people. This is exactly the same as the Nazi T4 program. This is exactly the same as the eugenics of old. It's just got a better PR spin. Um, that, than, than the former versions, which were a little bit more uh, upfront. You mentioned MAID, medically assisted uh, uh, dying. You see it in Canada. In fact, I think it's like the number three killer in Canada is medically assisted uh, uh, suicide. Are we going to see more of that in the future? Is this something that's going to be uh, put out by the NHS? A bit like Children's of, Children of Men film, where they have quietus in that film, where people could just go down the shop and buy a suicide kit. Um, are we moving in that direction? Is it going to be encouraged? Oh, for sure. For sure. We're going to see political movements in favour of it in the UK. And we've seen it in Canada, we've seen it in Holland, and it always starts off with uh, some somebody who's actually suffering, saying, well, you know, you're being heartless making this person suffer. And then within a very short time, it's people who are a bit depressed in their 20s are being killed. Uh, we saw someone in Canada who had problems with legs, wanted to live, but had difficulty getting up the stairs. And uh, they said, well, we're very sorry. We don't have any funding um, for a stair lift for your property, but we can get you funding for medical assistance in dying, right? So this is that you have a problem. Well, if we kill you, you will have a problem, right? This is the anti-life nature of what we're up against. Remember, it's, 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 it's deeply evil, right? If you, if you understand that it's at its core satanic and it's anti-life and it's anti-human, you start to understand why it manifests in the way it does. Um, if you if you look at the abortion um, industry now in in Britain we've killed nine million babies since 1967. Now we have all this all the issues we have with population and with workers. That's that's it. Right? If we weren't killing our children, we wouldn't have these problems. Mm -hmm. um, there have already been hundreds of thousands of babies saved in America because of Roe v. Wade, that appalling decision being finally overturned. And there's a pushback. You see, the, the argument on abortion was lost the minute we got high-resolution scans because the idea that it wasn't a human being just became totally untenable. So the, the argument, the intellectual argument's been won, but we're mm -hmm. still seeing the lying complicity of the state and of politicians and of the lawyers and of the system of, of the blob killing our people 
by the millions, the same people who go out and, and campaign for an end to the war in Gaza, well, for a ceasefire, for immediate ceasefire in Gaza, and point to the civilian deaths, the babies, the children that are being killed in Gaza, um, are the same people who will go out and campaign for the mass slaughter of babies in the womb in this country. A good number of them are, right? This is this sort of this sort of hypocrisy and lack of mm -hmm. lack of joined up thinking, lack of yeah. having any basic principles on which to stand, means mm -hmm. that we're constantly divided, we're constantly thrown against one another, we're constantly carried along by the lies, by the deceptions, because we don't have the calm, quiet to see things as they really are. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned a few words. I'm listening. You mentioned Gaza. You mentioned lawyer. You mentioned politicians. And I'm sitting here thinking, Keir Starmer. That's who I'm thinking uh, as you're talking there, uh, David. And that's where we're going to finish our conversation on the last couple of minutes. Uh, we've got an election coming up in the UK. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the Tories will to are toast. At least. I sort of hope they are, but the, the, the reality is we could be, be have Sunak replaced with Keir Starmer. He's almost a certain to win. Um, he has refused to even call for a ceasefire in Israel. And it turns out that he is a somebody who practices the Jewish faith and has a Jewish wife. Now, I'm not suggesting that she has any influence uh, over his decision making. But what do you think about quickly uh, the prospect of uh, a Keir Starmer government? Would you think it's going to have an effect on with regards to the Middle East, uh, Ukraine, wars in general, uh, and the general political outlook of the United Kingdom? The thing that's not known about Keir Starmer is he's extremely left wing. He's viewed as some sort of moderate because he's got a plummy voice yeah. and he looks a bit dull. Right? But he's not. He's an absolute hardline, far-left activist and buys all of the, the... We talked about cultural Marxism. There's no part of that he would oppose. It's just he will be the reasonable, trustworthy face of it. So I don't have a great deal of confidence in it in a in a Keir Starmer government. I think we're going to get one because mm -hmm. if you can if you can explain to me what Rishi Sinak's administration is is about or for, then you're a better man than I am, because I don't it's that's certainly not conservative. They're certainly not conservative. And it almost seems like there's a determination within the Conservative Party to as quickly as possible destroy themselves any legacy that they might have and most people say there's no positive legacy from any of the uh, political parties here in the uk you're right it's almost certain uh, to be a labor government should we be concerned about influence from outside of the uk controlling that particular person starmer and i am talking about his wife i've got no fear in saying that lady victoria um, is jewish I now find that quite concerning, particularly with the dual citizenship nature of the, the political class in the USA and the Israeli lobby here in the UK. Should we be concerned about that with what's going on in the Middle East at the moment? Well, well yes, and it's, and it's broader than that because given his political and far-left tendencies, 
right? This is this again is Maoist, like Salmond is 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 Maoist. So you have to be concerned about ideas from China or from Maoist thought in the West controlling what he does. And then we know in Scotland when when they set up the Parliament, we got all these strange think tanks opening up, and they were all funded from United States tax exempt foundations. And they started popping up all around Edinburgh, and there were there was ready made policies when the Parliament got underway. So there was definitely a move to take advantage of the new Parliament before it found its feet. And all of the ideas that that are being employed in Scotland to the detriment of Scottish people, they're all international. None of them originated here. They originated mm-hmm. in the United Nations, mm-hmm. right? Which is not, as you know, not a friend of Israel. So it's more complicated than than one source. They originated in the United Nations, the World Bank, the World Health Organization. These these corporate international bodies that are accountable to no one, and to whom we seem to have intellectually surrendered as a people, and this is a huge problem now. Um, I think if we saw any politician who was willing to actually remove our, our nation from a few of these, right, the World Health Organization and NATO would probably be number one and two in my list. Uh-huh. But it's a long list. Do we really want to be part of the International Monetary Fund? Do we really want to be part of the World Bank? I'm not sure any of this is in the interest of the British people. Um, so in foreign entanglements and foreign influences, yes, I would encourage people to look at the at the broad range of what those actually are, and what does Keir Starmer actually believe in? He's far left. He's flying under the radar, and if you look at what's around about him, it's it's very extreme. And yet there is no opposition. Um, the Conservatives seem to have imploded, and and done so from a <clears throat> from a position of unique strength. Right after Brexit, right after all of the shenanigans and frankly the weakness from Boris Johnson over the Brexit and the weakness from Theresa May and the weakness from so many other Tories, the British people got Brexit over the line. They gave Boris an enormous vote of confidence and a chance to do the old <clears throat> one nation conservative thing uh-huh. and 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 really make a difference and really make a difference in parts of the country where. The, the Tories have not had any representation in in decades. Like the red, the red wall they've lost. Right. Yeah, like the red wall, and and instead of and 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 to reindustrialize the country and to build up the country, do something about immigration and to make the lives of ordinary people in Britain better. And they had that opportunity, and what we got was the COVID lockdown and the surrender to international stupidity yeah. again. And I don't think that anyone looking at the Conservative Party for any sort of redemption or um, solidity is going to find anything worth having. Yeah, it's um, it's bleak you, uh, politically here in the United Kingdom with Starmer coming in. Uh, David, uh, thanks ever so much for your time. I really appreciate the conversation. Uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch again and I will uh, be certain to invite you back. And to everybody who's been listening today, thank you for listening. I can't comment on the live chat because my other computer has just crashed on me live on there. But whatever you do, please stay right with us here on TNT Radio. Radio.